true love. Iron man and true true love. Do 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 do. New love love. True love and Iron Man. True 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 true. True love Iron Man. True love Iron Man. Yeah. Well, hello there. Welcome to He Saw She Saw. If you're just joining us, I am Corey. And I am Keith. And we love movies. Just not the same ones. So we make each other watch a movie that we love. But the other would never watch unless we were doing a podcast. And then we talk about it. Dun dun dun. Oh, is that a superhero sound? Well, I guess that's fitting. Because but... <laughs> we're going to be watching another Marvel movie. I don't know. Should we have done a wah, wah, wah? Because we're going to watch a Marissa Tomei RDJ movie. Wow. or You are... Is that you're negging me? Is that what it is? Uh, yeah, I guess that would be in the realm of negging. Hmm. But I think that's the first time you've ever used the term right. <laughs> it's a thing that Corey does. It's like, oh, let me say something just adjacent. Of, <laughs> that makes you stop and think, well, wait, is that tried or not? And then you're like, oh, I can't believe she made me do this. It's hereditary. It's also negging, actually, now that I think about it. but <laughs> I've been doing it the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> Darn you and your mind control. So, you're really excited about the movie that I've chosen. Yeah. Joe's so negative. This one is, you're going to want to move to Italy right away. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that was one of the reasons why I liked it so much when I was mm-hmm. younger. I've seen it like, you know, 50 times. Mm-hmm. Um, it's because they, it, part of it is in Italy. Mm-hmm. And it made me go, oh. On a trip to Italy. I love Robert Downey Jr. I love Marissa Tomei. Mm-hmm. There's some other uh, surprises in in here. I don't actually. I don't know if you'll like it, but I love it. <laughs> there you go. Just part of the point of the podcast. So no problem. <laughs> so we'll see. I guess if I still love it. So um, mm-hmm. I get to watch. Da, 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 da. Well, actually, now did he write that song? For the superhero, why are you covering your face? No, I know that he didn't write it for the actual movie, but like, <sighs> did he write that because he was an Iron Man fan when he was younger? Um, I don't, I don't know. We should look into. We that. probably should look into Ozzy that. Ozzy Osbourne, so. right? Um, Black Sabbath. Off Black Sabbath, I think, off the top of my head, but yeah. I'm, so. I'm not a metalhead. Sorry. Yeah, I'm not really one either, but. So I don't know, but I think Ozzy Osbourne was part of Black Sabbath. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah, so we're going to get to watch Iron Man, which is a movie that created really the superhero genre movies. And, um, it was the open door. Yes, it was the forbidden door that was kicked down, and Marvel finally, finally, finally really got superhero movies right. So, mm-hmm. And uniquely, part of the reason they got it right is it wasn't made by a movie studio. It was made by Marvel Studios. It was their first movie that they produced. Huh. Marvel, they really understood what makes the characters click. Mm-hmm. And so they made a movie about the stuff that makes the hero click. Not not, the not a movie hero. studio who's like, we're just going to take your little intellectual property and we know how to make it better. Some superhero movies did do well at the box office. Yeah. But like hardcore fans were like, what, what, what is like this? I Superman when I was little. Yeah, I, I mean, think it's, I saw it at the drive-in. That's probably why. I mean, it's an okay movie, but you know, f- I think for a lot of superhero comic fans, it's like eh, that's well, not really Superman. I'm not really a superhero comic fan. I was just like a eight-year-old or whatever. I got to 
hang out in the back of the pickup truck and there was cartoons first. Yeah, like I said, there were some movies that made money. So, yeah. but it was uh, it's one of the reasons why I think Marvel does does so well with their movies. I'm, I'm going to get in general yet more education. I think this is the one episode where we are both dreading the most watching each other's movies. I think we're usually, <laughs> usually one of us is like, no. And the other one's like, eh. And sometimes we're both like, eh, okay. Yeah. And this one we're both like, oh, dear God, what did I sign up for? Mm, eh, maybe. Now you're trying to nag me again. <laughs> <laughs> I realize now why I love this movie so much when I was younger. Really? Why is that? Because I was one of those little girls who was dreaming about my true love that spoke to me. I was in San Diego. <laughs> so how did this movie hold up? Well, you know, I was in Italy in 2004 and then 2008. It was kind of interesting watching it after having been there, watching the thing that you've stood in front of and touched, like on a mm -hmm. movie. Like, oh, they touched it too. That's weird. I did drag the people that I was with all around Rome until I found the mouth of truth because mm -hmm. of this movie. And I stuck my hand in there. Mm -hmm. Did you tell why? I don't remember. <laughs> I also got stuck on a bus uh, because mm -hmm. I didn't get off the bus fast enough. <laughs> and I got the door closed on my arm they don't fool around in Rome so upon this viewing I remember being a little confused when I was younger about mm -hmm. the movie um and now I realize it's because there's uh some plot holes some implausibility mm -hmm. the timeline is uh I would say skewed would be a nice way of saying it. yeah <laughs> it's like wait how many days I always teach my students that the worst thing that anybody can ever make you say in your head is once upon a time. Because <laughs> if you can get someone to say once upon a time in their head, all logic flies, flies out of the out. window because mm -hmm. you have to, everything has to bend around to whatever the moral of the story is. Mm -hmm. So I remember just really loving Marissa Tomei's character, Faith, uh, when I was younger. Um, I found her a little tiresome this time around. Mm -hmm. <laughs> But yeah. the performances are worth watching over and over again. So the problems that I have with the story, eh, whatever. Mm -hmm. <laughs> do you have a pitch for this movie? I do. It's kind of cheating. But I think my, <laughs> my pitch would be something along the lines of a runaway fiancé named Faith skips town a few days before her wedding to figure out if she could be happy with anyone or if she can be happy with only you i'm just really uh really wondering you've had a poker face all day i have so yeah let's get into it yeah so uh <laughs> we start with a young teenager named faith and she's obsessed with finding out who her true love is going to be so a ouija board in one instance and a fortune teller in the other mm -hmm. gives her the name damon bradley much to the eye roll of her brother, Larry, who is obviously <laughs> long-suffering. But what's interesting is a fortune teller, who, number one, is probably one of the most uninspiring fortune tellers, like turns on the, the, the flashlight for her crystal ball, like no, no even like trying to be slick about it. She obviously has a moment of kind of like, 
uh, I need to say something and grabs her by the hand and says, look, you need to understand that you make your own destiny. Mm-hmm. You know, this name is important, but you make your own destiny. They fast forward in her mid 20s is what we're supposed to believe she is. <laughs> and she is doing her best dead poet society, mm-hmm. trying to passionately <laughs> explain Plato's theory of soulmates. So she obviously still believes in true love. However, when we go to the next scene, it's pretty clear that her life isn't following a fairy tale because she has a few of her girlfriends over who we met in the previous when she was a teenager. And she's really excited because her boyfriend proposed to her. He's a doctor. And he's a well, foot doctor. But anyway. Um, <laughs> and her friends are way more thrilled than she is. She's happy. She's also not wearing the ring. Which is, which is a really bad sign. She says, I'll think about it for 24 hours, and then I'll say yes. And also in this scene, we learn that uh, one of uh, Faith's friends in here, who's played by Bonnie Hunt, who did an amazing job, her name is Kate. Yes. Kate is married to Faith's brother, Larry, who has grown up to be everything you would expect in a Pittsburgh roofer. Next scene Fast is, fa- yeah, is this like a huge engagement party. Like a swanky one. Like, yeah, with tons of people. And again, everyone is so impressed with the diamond. Not so much the guy who is obviously just... He's kind of a dud. He's a bit of a dud. That's true. <laughs> and again, Faith's much more in in love with the idea of being in love and being a bride than being in love with this guy. Mm-hmm. We see all of her base instincts are correct because his mother shows up with this huge box with a wedding dress. The mother-in-law is just like, I am so happy that you've agreed to wear this dress, <laughs> which I wore for my wedding and my daughter wore for her wedding. Mm-hmm. And so Faith is trying to save face, but really quickly she's reaming yeah, she the fiance. Aside. And it's clear that just as she's in love with the idea mm-hmm. of being in love and being a bride, he's in love with the idea of having a bride, but it doesn't really need to be her. So the next day, Kate's coming over because she's the best friend. So she's dropped off the kids at her, her parents' house. So and it was like a lace explosion and she's trying to make it work she's like oh well i'll wear it and then my daughter will be given this dress kate says well if i had this dress i'd give it away too yeah they're both trying to make this work yeah, and like, they're okay, trying we'll pin it. it's yeah just... it's like this is the time to get married so you're gonna get married mm-hmm. and so the phone rings and a guy's on the other end of the phone and he says hey you know i'm an old friend of Dwayne, mm-hmm. who I, I read somewhere his name in this movie is Dwayne johnson <laughs> this was made in 94 while Dwayne johnson was playing football for the university of miami probably around that time oh, okay. and if he wasn't doing that he was breaking in really early Leave in pro wrestling like oh i know the, i know this timeline so this is yeah it's going to be a few years before the world knows who the rock who is. is anyway so he says hey i'm so sorry i would love to be there at the wedding but i'm flying to venice so i, I can't make it so i just wanted to say congratulations and good luck and she says oh okay yeah that's cool what's your name he says oh it's damon bradley which is the <gasps> same name that she was given by the fortune teller and the Ouija board. So she's panics immediately, still wearing the horrible dress, just for a film iconic moment, bolts out. Look, I just got to go to the airport to see him because this could be the love of my life. And it'd be, just need a peek. That's all I need. And so Kate's like, all right. So she hails a, a cab and she races to the airport and just misses him. But she's going to get married in 10 days. So she's got to know. So she calls Kate and says, hey, because um, they won't let her on the plane to take a peek. Yeah, they won't let her on the plane. And so it's like, hey, I need you to grab my passport and anything 
that it's like not wrinkly. Underwear. Yeah, and, and <laughs> nothing that's wrinkly. And my hairdryer. And in a hairdryer. <laughs> and uh, you need to do it in an hour because that's when the next flight is. So sure enough, Kate comes through like she always does. <laughs> And uh, she and, it, and it's okay, Kate. and she's gonna and she's gonna go because she's. We already established in the last thing that she's dropped the kids off at her it's parents' Labor house. It's Labor Day weekend, and it's Labor Day weekend. Which so. is so apropos because it was just Labor Day weekend. I for know us. how amazing last <laughs> week. Anyway, um, and so yeah, they get on the flight, and so basically there's a series of near misses in Venice, mm-hmm. and then they're trying to get to Rome because again they missed him there, and he's going to Rome, and so they basically run out of gas in the middle of this, of course, absolute picturesque. Italian and they're angry at each other because they're both blaming each other. Mm-hmm. And they just, they're just they just sitting there with a bottle of wine. And Kate says, hey, I didn't tell Larry I was going to my parents for the weekend. I told Larry that I'm leaving him. Mm-hmm. And Marissa is shocked, but not too shocked. I was really disappointed on how she didn't really defend her brother. Like she kind of did, but not really. I think she was very self-involved. Mm-hmm. And so she wasn't really all there for Kate. And a hilarious side bit. Mm-hmm. Nuns just appear out of nowhere and fill up, fill, fill up their tank. So they get to Rome. Their lead is Damon is going to be at this like high-end, I think, suit shop. We never quite establish it. Some sort of boutique. So store. he's supposed to meet someone there and so they monastery. get there they get there not, no, it's but not a monastery they're not with priests it's a store and there's a couple of jokes i'm gonna skip over and oh, uh so, so, so what ends up happening <laughs> is is the salesperson who, who knows him is upset and so this guy comes over kind of with a trilla slime behind him named giovanni <laughs> he's not that bad he's he, he's He's Mr. Italian romance He's Mr. Guy. Italian romance. Like, he's like one of those guys who's like, if you get with him, you know what you're getting. Mm-hmm. It's like, this isn't love. I like wine and pleasure. Oh, you're married? Oh, <laughs> whatever. No That's cool. So anyway, <laughs> about you and I. And so anyway, he's that. So he's so he's helpful. So he's immediately spinning with Kate. And Kate's like, oh, okay. Um, Someone give me attention. He's like, hey, Damon is supposed to be at this restaurant at tonight they go they're seated outside he is in the restaurant and they see like an elbow of his like mm-hmm. a suit elbow it's like okay this go is it him. so faith, and what is faith gir- gir- i don't remember what is it i just maybe he'll come to me oh my gosh and kate's like yeah she's ridiculous time to play hard to get so we have this really funny scene where she has clear shot over to him and so just this parade of people get in her way she turns around and the seat is gone where damon bradley was and so she (laughs) races out the door and chases after him and as she's running by she runs right into him and her her shoe gets stuck in the cobblestone and it's robert downey jr making his first appearance 45 minutes into the movie he's like oh hey and he's like immediately like are you okay and she's just like "Ah, i gotta go and so she just races she just leaves so he goes and digs the shoe out of the cobblestone mm-hmm. chases after her. cue to like she's like ah oh, i lost him and then we see where's she walks shoe? back to the restaurant <laughs> and like kate is there and she's like where's your shoe and like, i don't know robert downey jr <laughs> catches up with the shoe he's a gentleman he just like makes sure she's her foot's okay and puts it on it's kind of weird how he it's, it's a bit charming but kind of weird how he's like he obviously knows shoes and he's like what's going on and they, they finally kind of relent and kind of give him little pieces of the story and he's like well what's this guy's name because you know i know some people at the embassy and and they're just like Damon Bradley and he just stops and he's like that's my name I'm Damon Bradley and then we cue into this just beautifully romantic night of just this like one of those dates you can only have in Rome and they're in the balcony of her room she says I was made to kiss you 
uh, they're obviously madly in love. She's like, oh, I got to call off the wedding. Right now. Because I, I met you right now. And he's like, ah, oh, you really shouldn't do that. <laughs> and he starts kissing her and she starts kissing him. He's like, yeah, you just, you got to know that um, my name isn't exactly Damon Bradley. <laughs> and of course, she's like, what? She- she totally kicks him off and yells at him and and she's just she's like he's like hey my name is Peter Wright and you know just tries to explain and she won't have none of it so she kicks him out and she's so mad the next morning we see Peter and he's like buying like the most ridiculous it's horrendous yeah it's not like the stuff you buy at a grocery store but it's not it's not a normal bouquet no so he gets to the room and there's Kate and he's like perfect because I need an ally he goes through this beautiful, wonderful monologue, which is so fake. There's no coincidences. Like he's her other half, like in Plato's theory. Yeah. And Kate's like, uh, yeah, bye. <laughs> uh, she doesn't give an answer one way or the other. Mm-hmm. And so he's like, ah, okay, I'm done. He realizes the moment has passed. Yeah. So he goes, Faith comes back in the room. And we find out that his little speech did work a little bit on Kate. She doesn't say, like, you got to go for him. But she's like, dude, you like him. Faith thinks she hates him, but she's like, ah, you really don't. He's exactly like you. Uh, Giovanni's downstairs to uh, try to try to swoop. And so Kate's like, all right. So she's put a scarf in her hair so we know she's trying to be European. She's having a <laughs> midlife. going on a ride. She has a midlife crisis. Uh, the next morning, they're leaving for the airport, and they're in this taxi. And suddenly, Robert Downey Jr. sprints over and says, hey, I found him. And she's like, they're like what and like look i if you don't want to be with me fine i mean you should at least meet the guy like you know if you still want him over me then fine but he's in uh positano and so kate's like perfect because that means i can hang out with giovanni some more Mm -hmm. giovanni kate faith and peter here drive down to positano and they find out yes he's here yes he's in he's actually by the pool so they go to the pool and they say you'll notice him because he's got a medallion (laughs) and so they go there and there's this guy by himself with a medallion, a body that should not be wearing a Speedo. So she's like, uh, and then someone says, oh, thanks, Damon. And what emerges from the pool but the Adonis of a young Billy Zane with <laughs> long hair. Robert Downey Jr. is like, oh, no, because Faith is just completely melted, even even though he's a bit of an oaf. And she asks him out for dinner. He's like, oh, all right, sure. So Robert Downey Jr., again, there's a cute scene with him and Marissa Tomei as, as she's getting ready for the date. And he just totally reads her mind on what she needs. And it's very, very cute. Hands it to her through the door. And, uh, you know, yeah, has it ready for her as she has opened the door to ask for something. He immediately puts it in her because hand. Because there are two pieces of the same circle. And so they, she goes to her date and... Robert Downey Jr. is just doing. And the thing I forgot to mention is that Giovanni says, hey, guys, no matter what happens today, tonight, I got a good friend. He's having a party on a yacht. You guys need to come. I need to show off my American friends. So the date goes decent. She's really trying to make it work. Yeah. And so it's like, you know, she's making all these kind of excuses for him. You can tell. Yeah. But he's got some. And so they so they show up to the so they're on the yacht and. Robert Downey Jr. is chewing through like five or six different straws and they're talking and it's a little bit romantic, but uh, Damon keeps saying the wrong things. Like, like he's, I like action movies. Yeah, it's like I really like Van Damme movies, <laughs> you know, and so and like, well, like one oh, of, you don't like opera. Yeah, that's one of my one of my favorite lines is when she's like, oh, no, it's it's cool that you really don't like opera. And then, then Damon Bradley gets handsy with Faith, like slaps him away 
and Robert Downey Jr. shows up like a linebacker yes, and just side. knocks him Nailed down and him. starts punching him, which is funny because <laughs> he's not nearly as big as Billy Zane. As they're fighting, they're yelling at each other. We find out this is his name is Harry. It's not Damon. Mm-hmm. This is Robert. They know each Robert, other. Yeah, Robert Downey Jr. has done this elaborate plot <laughs> to try to make to get another fake Damon Bradley. Like, so they did you a Faith has, has had it. Super important side note. Kate has been kind of falling for Giovanni, but she's smart enough to know what's going on. Mm-hmm. And so on this boat as well, they had a moment to do something, and she was just like, I, I can't. I'm married. Giovanni takes it as well as you would in that situation. It's like, oh, well, okay. All right, you sure? <laughs> Are you sure? Because I'm out of here. <laughs> and uh, so anyway, so, so Katharina, Kate, the stars will be jealous of you tonight. Uh, so Faith is just our and she's like I just I can't believe in Faith anymore and she calls off the wedding it's the next morning Faith and Kate are going to leave and who shows up but Larry so they have a moment it's, it's a really well done little scene with her and him and he's just like she's like what are you doing here and he's like what are, what are you doing here and he's like <laughs> and he's like I just I love you and I miss you mm. and you just know immediately as soon as he pulls up and she's like what are you doing here you're like oh they're going to be okay <laughs> He is still wearing his work uniform, his roofer uniform. <laughs> I don't know what's up with that family in airlines, but they just, when it's time but for they a flight. Go as they go. Yeah. When it's time for a flight, they just go. Faith's going to go back home. Kate and Larry are going to rekindle the relationship. They're going to stay in Italy for a little bit longer. Well, they're in Positano, my goodness. As she is going to the airport, they're having lunch on the balcony. Mm-hmm. And Cappuccino. Larry's still trying to figure out what the heck has happened yes. with, with what's going on. And he's like, basically he can't believe she did that i mean he he's like i made it up and she's like you didn't make it up and he's like no 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 i pushed the ouija board and the in the first scene she's accusing him of pushing the ouija board like mm-hmm. i pushed it mm-hmm. and she's like no but what about the fortune teller and she's like he's like i paid her two bucks <laughs> but i can't i can't tell her because she's gonna hate me because she called off her wedding because she's in love with this guy who doesn't exist mm-hmm. and kate of course says well she didn't call it off because she loves Damon. She called it off because she loves Peter. <laughs> so we go back to the airport. Faith is in the line to Pittsburgh, their home, mm-hmm. and miserable. And Robert Downey Jr. is in his line to go to Boston. So he's miserable. Mm-hmm. And over the loudspeaker, it says, paging Damon Bradley, would you please come to the information desk? <laughs> and both of them like bolt to the information desk mm-hmm. and there's a guy with their back to him rubber diamond just pats him on the shoulder and it turns around and it's this character actor i'm gonna butcher his name but it's something like adam lefevre or something like that yeah and he's one of those guys like he's been in like five million yeah, things you've seen him. this is by far my favorite role he's ever been in he, he, <laughs> he always does a decent job of supporting but this is his shining moment in my, in my mind <laughs> And so he kind of turns around. Peter, you know, launches into this wonderful monologue where he's just like, look, you know, we're just friends and this is her. And, you know, and she's she's in love with you. She's in love with you. She actually wants to marry you. And the thing is, I love her. But if this is what you want, I, I really hope you two make it work. <laughs> and looks her in the eye and says, goodbye, Faith. Faith is having this like crisis. She's just kind of standing there. Damon Bradley is like, huh, that guy really loves you, doesn't he? And she's like, yeah. He's like, so I guess the question is, is do you love him? And she's like, yeah. He's like, oh, that's that's really good. You have a plane to catch. <laughs> and I have a plane to catch. Faith races off. The flight is there, but it hasn't taken off yet. And so she races up. And she's like, I need to get on that flight. And they're to like, Boston. 
to Boston to, to, to with, with Peter. Mm-hmm. And they're like, no, no, I'm sorry, you can't, you can't. She's like, but the man I love is on that flight. And they're like, are you sure? And she's like, yes. And so instantly, cue Italian uh, Mission Impossible. <laughs> we're like, suddenly, seven to nine airplane airline employees, <laughs> like, switch her Working ticket, write it. They're calling. The, they pilot, call the pilot. The pilot's laughing. is like, ah, 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 love. We are in Italy. She races on the plane. He looks. And to the applause of everyone on the flight, they have a a big, (laughs) a big passionate kiss. The plane rides off into the sunset. Mm -hmm. And that's the end of the movie. Mm -hmm. Cue horrendous Michael Bolton song. Oh, my gosh. It's like it starts and you're like, oh, this is going to be a bad song. Yeah. This is just not going to be good. So, uh, yeah, that was a movie. Wow. There were several good things about it. The role that Marissa Tomei had doesn't seem difficult on the surface. It's incredibly difficult to do because she's really kind of unlikable. Mm-hmm. If you take all the, the cuteness away, yeah. it isn't a very likable character. She's very fickle. And she's very, like, everything revolves around her. Mm-hmm. And, of course, the universe has to bend to my will. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of things not to like about her. But she's very charismatic in the role, and she plays the naive incredibly well even though it would be really annoying if you kind of took away some stuff robert downey jr <laughs> is not a person you should like like in this movie <laughs> oh no and he so things, man. <laughs> yeah but I, you are You're constantly like, rooting scamp. for both of them yeah because it's Put like yeah he they're clearly two halves of the same mm-hmm. And, um, you know, he's charismatic, he's funny, he's a bit in over his head. Very easily could have come across as stalker's creepy because he does stalker creepyish things. Yeah. But he does have some boundaries where it's like, I can't do this. Right. Like, I've got... Because he confesses gonna, before yeah, anything he, he, happens. Yeah, he confesses before anything happens. Ultimately, he does want her to be happy, mm-hmm. even if, it's, if it makes him sad in the short run. Mm-hmm. I think the real gem, though of the movie though is Bonnie Hunt's character because she is the character which is actually someone who could exist in real life yeah so long suffering of of faith yeah and (laughs) and just the midlife credit she finds herself in and yet she ultimately when it comes to the time to decide she stays faithful to her husband Mm -hmm. and she chooses she chooses her husband Mm -hmm. and he shows up right at the perfect timing to show up Mm -hmm. And you know they're going to be okay. So when it comes to other things, um, to Corey's chagrin, I kind of had a sense at the very beginning oh my what gosh. was going to happen. As soon as Robert Downey Jr. got on the screen 45 minutes in, I literally spoiled the rest of the movie. He said the whole plot. Writing was a bit predictable. How much money do roofers make in Pittsburgh? Because <laughs> they are just... One of the funny, all kinds of one money. of the funny running jokes is like whenever they go to a, a cool place in Italy, Kate's got a new star. Like, oh, Kathy Lee Crosby stayed here, and Joan Collins stayed here. European flights, and yeah. Larry flies over with the roofing business, which literally has he's a roofing business with a leak in his roof. We established <laughs> earlier, 
And it's like, let's just stay in Italy for a few days afterwards in this really nice hotel in Positano. Like, money is no object. You and I both are, like, really worried about, like, the money. Because I had that, I was like, oh, my God, did she just, how many flights are we canceling? Yeah. And a last-minute flight, how much does that cost? Oh, my gosh, I can't even imagine. Because that last-minute flight, you know what? It, it's it's however much they can ring out of you because you have to be on the flight. There's right. no other way to do it. Right. And the other thing, wonder how that teaching job is going. <laughs> You've been gone a while. Yeah. Because like... <laughs> they kept throwing around, like, at the beginning when they, they first got there, that it was two days. Yeah, two liter- days. literally, you're going to fly there, see them, immediately turn around. Yeah. And come back. And then they're there. Acting like, like it's two days. I mean, that's that's like that's probably three days of travel. I guess she must have had really good emergency lesson plans because how could you do that <laughs> I thought about to your that students? Too. I was like, oh, who's taking over her classes? Yeah. <laughs> One of the funny things was she's supposed to be this English teacher, and she talks about Plato's theory of soulmates. Yes, Plato wrote that, but he wrote it as a, a satire about people who are stupid in love. <laughs> and so she she pretty Yeah, she prettied up the myth. Yeah, and I think, you know, like I said before when I was younger, I think I liked Faith because I was putting myself in Faith's shoes. But now watching it from Kate's point of view basically is just mm. like, you know, her flights of fancy and her fickleness and her just devotion to like fate and mm-hmm. you know just how you know well, the f- flighty she is just kind of was a little uh, it was tiresome this time around the original theme that she was even teaching the kids was mm-hmm. good in that what you're supposed to do is just live the life you're supposed to live mm-hmm. and, and if you do that and if they do that mm-hmm then fate will bring you back together. And that's decidedly not what she was doing. She was really trying to help fate. Well, and I was thinking about it. If you were in that position, you know, because she says, if, if I don't do this, I'll never, I'll always wonder and I'll never forgive myself. Mm-hmm. But there's another side of that coin of like, I had this and I ran after that and screwed up this. Mm-hmm. And that wasn't all it was supposed to be. So there's another side of that coin of will should I go I'll always think about it or should I not do it she cancels the wedding because this got not right for her whatsoever and she just can't realize that because society and her friends are telling her oh it's a doctor oh he has money and how old are you again and do you really think a guy's <laughs> gonna come along drying up you need to marry a doctor yeah so I mean the, the script like I mentioned is like not subtle her name is faith, faith. You know, Robert Downey Jr.'s name is Mr. Right. Jeez, this is like a medieval uh, morality play. Yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> what is it, Punch and Judy? Yeah. I think Punch and Judy are like, uh, you know, I think that's a little on the nose. Is there anything else you wanted to bring up? This viewing really made me miss vacations and going places. And I always wanted to go to Positano. Yeah, yeah. I'm not. What's that noise? No, I'm just not as. It's gorgeous ah. and beautiful. It's a seaside hill community. Yeah. It's I'm, like the most beautiful place in Italy. It's just one of the ways we're kind of different. So I want to be like doing a service project or let me yeah, be doing something. That's that, Keith's idea of a vacation is well, like do a service project. And you, I'm got, like, you got one life, like, you know, and we're really fortunate. So it just makes sense to me. But anyway. Yeah, but, you know, let's also go see some stuff. So uh, I'm just really curious to know, like, what... Well, I this is going to be a little bit more meandering, because when I was trying to figure out what to call, <laughs> what to what to rate this, I was like, I just thought of, there was a time when I was dating somebody, and there was something wrong. 
on the surface, everything there was, she was you know, it she was, a, a, it was all added up. It all made perfect sense. Everything, you know, it was everything I thought I wanted in a relationship. There was just something kind of weird. Aww. Yeah, I prayed to God about it. And I was like, you know, I don't know why I'm feeling this way. And this doesn't make sense. And if there is a better plan for my life than this one, then I want to know. And, but other than that, I feel like I just need, I just need you to give me the strength of, to just keep going. And so I asked God that and I got a resounding, no, (laughs) you know, it started a really bad part of my life. There were a lot of, there were some good things that were happening, but I broke it off. It was one of those things that just didn't make any sense at all Mm -hmm. until I met you. Uh, yeah, we'd never wish anybody to go through what I did, Mm-mm. but I'm glad I did because I met you. And so with that, this incredibly silly movie, if I had said yes to that other situation, I would have hated this movie because a part of me would have been like, what if? <sighs> and so, but I didn't. And Aww. I chose you. So, and I chose you before I even knew you existed. Stop it! And so <laughs> I have to give... This movie, a double thumbs up because it is incredibly, it's incredibly silly Mm -hmm. and it's incredibly simple and implausible and implausible, (laughs) but it's a movie you should see at least once. Probably the lowest double thumbs up I'll ever give, but it's definitely, but it's, let's stop qualifying. Double thumbs up. You should see it at least once. It's a very sweet movie. And I'm, I actually am really shocked that I don't hear more people talk about it. If you're a romantic, then yeah, then this is a movie for you. You know, my name's not exactly Damon Bradley. (laughs) It's Mr. Wright. I didn't do a ton of research on this movie because I figured I'm sitting with the foremost expert in Iron Man. So... I know a few things. I'm not... Yeah, there's a lot I don't know because I stopped collecting comics 20 (laughs) years ago. So a lot of the new stuff I don't know, but... Mm. But for like a normal person. I know way too much for a normal person, yes. Mm-hmm. Which is funny because I haven't done any research either. So I'm a little, we're, we're actually filming this one back to back with the other one. Mm-hmm. We, so we normally have a day or two to do research and yeah, so I'm a little nervous. But after the wax incident last week, uh, the child got into the wax. So uh, since that, I feel a little bad leaving her alone to her own devices for too long. So we're doing this at midnight. All right. <laughs> Let's get it done. Okay. Um, so, Keith, like I have to ask, did this movie hold up for you? Yeah, it held up. It did. It was really good. I had not seen it. Oh, had I seen it once? No, I hadn't. I I have it in DVD, but the only time I had ever seen it previously was in the theater when it oh, first wow. came out. Okay. So, yeah, I remembered uh, bits of it. There were some things I had forgotten that were cool touches, but, yeah. Um, I just want to confess that um, I was waiting for I remember seeing something with Dr. Manhattan oh, and the big blue guy with the, the penis. Uh, it seems like they said something about the Manhattan Project and so I was just like waiting for Dr. Manhattan Like to four show times up. in this movie. So no. So Dr. Manhattan is the huge naked blue guy from Watchmen. And that's a that's now a, is Watchmen in the MCU. It's not in the MCU. <laughs> it is an alternate timeline oh, of okay. the DCU. Okay. And oh. then, but they've now merged. It's like Coke and Pepsi. My yeah. dad worked for Coke, 
did not drink Pepsi or talk about Pepsi. <laughs> yeah, I was. I'm. I'm a Marvel zombie, is what we used to be called in the '80s and '90s. So that means that you read a bunch of a, a ton of Marvel comics. But I knew I had collected a few DC, and I could keep talking, but I'll stop because my you get, eyes are rolling. Yes, they're doing five backflips. So we'll stop. So <laughs> what's the next part? I don't yes, even know where no, we are. no big monstrous blue penis is going to fly across the screen in this one. So <laughs> you said you saw that in that in three D, right? Oh my, that was you such a, a bad idea. That. Oh my gosh, and it's so funny because some people think I'm making it up, but I, I promise I'm not. So <laughs> in Watchmen, there's Doctor Manhattan. So what's happening is is it's a, a scientist who basically um, turns into like a god. He doesn't care about clothes because like, what are you gonna say or do to him? He's not even human anymore. Anyway, he's naked. And so I saw it in 3D, wasn't thinking ahead. And there were a couple scenes where he turns. I kid you not, the first time he turned, this like sold out opening night performance, the audience ducked because he, which was swinging. And so it ducked once and then immediately like he swings back the other way and like half the, half the people ducked the second time. And then by the third time, everyone's like, okay, it's not going to hit me. But like, it was just, it was so unintentionally hilarious to me. So anyway, I have a pitch for this movie. Wow. I can't wait. I tried really hard, Mm -hmm. but I probably screw it up. Okay. I'll probably spoil everything. Mm -hmm. I'm going to do that anyway. So it doesn't matter. All right, so here we go. An irresponsible workaholic slash engineering genius slash playboy slash millionaire escapes from being held for months by terrorists in the Middle East. He has a change of heart about manufacturing weapons and turns to creating a mechanical suit that allows him to become the superhero Iron Man. Now, I know that it happens in a certain order, but I'm going to say the order that I'm saying it in because it's easier for me. Okay. Okay. So I know that's not right, but okay. So after winning a prestigious award that he's too busy playing craps at Caesar's Palace to uh, receive, he is approached by a journalist who obviously disdains him. Leslie Bibb. Leslie Bibb. Straight off of uh, Talladega Nights. Oh, that's where she's from. Mm -hmm. Please be 18. (laughs) So, of course, he takes her home, and uh, they have a night of fun. Then in the morning, his assistant, Pepper Potts, which, by the way, is the most comic book name I've ever heard in my life. (laughs) Yep. She goes ahead and gets rid of her. She says sometimes she has to take out the trash. And in fairness, Leslie kind of bit at her first, and so she bit back. So, yeah. So uh, then she goes on downstairs to Stark because he's you know, fiddling around in his workshop because we realize that he's a workaholic and that's all, what he's always doing. And so she's nagging at him that he needs to get out of there because he's an hour and a half late to catch a flight mm-hmm. to Afghanistan. And he's like, I'm sorry. The whole point of like having my own plane is that it flies when I need it to fly, right? It's three hours later and we meet Colonel Rhodes, who long-suffering Colonel Rhodes, who's played by Terrence Howard. Mm-hmm. And he's super irritated because he's like Stark's babysitter. It's kind of an interesting uh, uh, juxtaposition because he is a workaholic and he cares a lot about his work, yet he's 
very irresponsible about like keeping dates and keeping you know appointments and mm-hmm. being places on time and 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 um, receiving awards that he's won or yeah any of the PR stuff that you should he's not yeah. into yeah their relationship there's a lot of tension there there's a sidebar mm-hmm. just a little spoiler Robert Downey Jr. didn't make the most salary in this movie Terrence Howard did but anyway we'll we'll go to that what? later seriously later you that just, way that you way you'll, just, that way you'll actually let me I do the sidebar. <laughs> So, yes. Oh, wow. Okay, keep going. <laughs> I don't have my cut face. Whenever Keith says something a little off color, I make a face that we've now dubbed the cut face because mm-hmm. it's going to get cut. Yep. <laughs> so they get to Afghanistan. They demo the Jericho missile. Then they get into a military escorted convoy. And Stark won't let Rhodes ride with him because he's in the fun V. And Rhodes is no fun mm-hmm. because he's the babysitter. So the convoy is, of course, attacked. And he is hit, ironically, with one of his own bombs that he created. Mm-hmm. And he is kind of thrown and he's bleeding and um, he's unconscious. And then uh, he gets kidnapped. And we kind of do a couple of cut scenes where he's having a crude surgery done uh, he's ta- he's in the middle of taping a kidnapping video. He wakes up in a cave and he's hooked up to a car battery. And oh my god, anything where like something is hooked up to you, like when I went to uh, go deliver our child, mm-hmm. um, and they hooked me up to the IV, the nurse was laughing at me because I was so freaked out that it was going to get yanked out on accident that Ugh. I was like holding on to it and holding on to the pole and I wouldn't mm-hmm. let go. And everybody was making fun of me because I was so freaked out. And I didn't make fun of you. You didn't, but every time like we had to move me or move something, I'd be like, oh, like I can't mm-hmm. handle, like I can't handle it. So the all of the things with the body and the attached to things. I was like, I was going to throw up. We meet Dr. Yinsen, who Mm -hmm. I guess is also captured, and he happens to be a doctor. He has implanted this, like, magnet thingy into Tony's chest uh, because he's got all this shrapnel that's in his body, and it's if the magnet's not there, then it works its way to the organs, and it's going to pierce his heart and kill him. Yinsen's like, you know, I met you once at a conference and they so they established that Jensen is, is like a scientist a scientist who's not in Tony's league but is smart enough to have been sent to Europe to go to a big conference that Tony was speaking at so then we learn about the 10 rings terrorists mm-hmm. and the leader wants Tony to build him another Jericho missile mm-hmm. and then he promises he's just gonna set him free mm-hmm. and Tony's like no, he's not. And Dr. Jensen's like, no, he's not. <laughs> yeah. So he's like, well, I'm kind of screwed either way. Jensen kind of talks to him about like, well, then I guess you better make the time that you have count. And so they start building. First, they build a, I guess it's like the power source to uh, power Tony's magnet so they doesn't have to be strapped to a car battery anymore. Thank yeah. God. Yeah, the arc reactor. Yeah, the arc reactor. It's a blue glowy thing. So he's building this crude a mechanical suit of armor that they're kind of keeping under wraps at first because you can't really tell what he's building. They they have cameras on him, so they think he well he must be building the missile, but he's not. He's building this suit, and I felt like it took a little too long for them to realize that he was building a suit. <laughs> I wish they would have built the suit in the rocket. Oh, yeah, that would make sense. Yeah. So then they realize that he's not building a missile. He's actually building this weird suit thing. And so they are going to go, like, attack them. And Jensen uh, creates a diversion by running and shooting. And so then um, 
Tony has time to upload the whatever to make the suit work because it takes the progress bar. We, we need to have Jensen die and basically give him a Saving Private Ryan moment. So, right, yeah. right. so then Tony's got the suit on and he's blasting through the caves and, you know, sending people flying 40 feet into the air. And he's really mad. And so he's uh, he's torching all of the weapons. Right. As he's, tor- he he's he's very specifically destroying all the weapons so these terrorists can't use them. Anymore. But I was like, isn't that going to cause everything to blow up? And it does. <laughs> so he and then he now did he fly up into the air or did mm-hmm. he get blasted up into the air then it was kind of like both he did have he did have jets on yeah okay but so he did have the jets, jets the, the one thing that doesn't work <laughs> on this suit of armor <laughs> is the jets which we're about to get to yeah so he flies up in the air and goes maybe like what a mile and then lands yeah a few in, miles away in the uh, sand crashes into a dune yeah and and the suit is completely like obliterated and i was like um i feel like he would die if that happened in yeah, real life. I, I'm not gonna but argue. once upon a time, right, yeah, Keith? I'm not going to argue with that. <laughs> so then he's walking around in the desert, and uh, the uh, the military so happens to fly over and find him. So he gets saved. And Colonel Rhodes says, hey, next time let me ride in the fun V with you. <laughs> yeah. None of the suit survives. I thought that was really smart. So, like, no one knows he can make it. He's made an Iron Man armor. Because it completely blasted. Because it's blasted off. So I thought that was a really smart thing in the script. Yeah. So as soon as he gets cleaned up and is back home, he calls for a press conference. and But not before he gets a cheeseburger, which, you know what, Stark, I'm right with you. But Burger King? Burger King clearly paid for product placement. The only thing I like at Burger King is the chicken sandwich with uh, easy mayo because I always put way too much mayo. And the BK Mocha Joe. I, I, I know I'm in the minority, but Burger King has always been my go-to over McDonald's. Like, not even close. As I've gotten older, I just, like, I don't like Jack in the Box. I hate Wendy's. Although, we go to Arby's a lot because... There's no line. There's never a line. And I like, and it's pretty good. <laughs> so I don't... Yeah, I've kind of grown to like it, but they freaking changed their menu and took away the thing I like, so... Mm-hmm. Anyway, is Obadiah his partner? So we established that Obadiah Stane was a partner of his father, father. and they played brush by Jeff Bridges. played by Jeff Bridges. Jeff we do see a quick newspaper article where we see that Howard and his wife were killed suddenly, <gasps> and so Obadiah takes over. It's not what you think. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> so he took over the company until Tony Stark was old enough, and he basically demanded it back. And at this point, I was like, um, I mean, he looks like the classic, he has the classic, like, villain haircut beard combination, so I was um, automatically like, is he a bad guy? Yeah, it's Lex Luthor with the beard, is what what is the aesthetic they're looking for. I asked a lot of questions that you didn't answer. No, I didn't. Were you just like... I was doing the same thing. I was doing the same thing you do, where I was like, okay, we'll just let you pontificate as much as you just want. Let you and then simmer in it. So, yes, much to uh, Obadiah's chagrin, he, at the press conference, announces that he is no longer going to be making weapons, but he doesn't really say what he's going to do. Yeah, they have some sort of like. Does they, he say something about humanitarianism? Yeah, they mention, they mention that they've done, it's all PR stuff up to that point, but they've yeah. done some things. It was funny because he was like, oh, let's all just sit down. So he makes like the. <laughs> sit on the ground like it's kindergarten well, and, and it's an alpha it's he does such a good job of alpha moves <laughs> so he does that and then he stands up yeah he to, does stand to up show his stronger authority oh, yeah wow. yeah, yeah it's, it, 
I thought he was just gonna like turn his chair back around and like mm-hmm. have a rap sesh, but yeah, he yeah. stand up. You're right. So Stark uh, starts building a fancier version of the suit in his workshop, along with he then uh, builds a stronger chest battery thingy. Um, which the worst scene I've ever seen in my life because he needs help <laughs> with like a wire. And so Pepper comes in because she's got small hands and he like has her stick her hand in there to, and I was gagging. Ugh. Mm-hmm. And I was like, the other thing, question I had was like, does that thing actually like plug into something or is it just floating? Because whenever they put it in, it's just kind of like, it just, it's floating in there. I don't think it actually like plugs into anything. There is some sort of plug, and once upon a time. (laughs) Thank you. She takes the old one, and uh, she makes him a little uh, trophy. She she puts it in a trophy case for him. Did you did you catch what what's on the outer ring of it? To prove that Tony Stark actually has a heart. Yep. Stark is kind of becoming suspicious of people. He kind of attempted to talk about talk to Rhodes about it, and Rhodes didn't want to have anything to do with it. So he's kind of just like, you know what, I'm going to keep this to myself. And so he just works on it, and he doesn't really like share any plans or anything with anybody. And he tests it out. In his workshop, next to his fancy cars, like two feet away from his expensive, rare car collection. We have established we're in Malibu, California, and <laughs> even for someone with Tony Stark money, it, it's very pricey real estate. So that's that's where he, that's his so open that's area. That's how rich he is. Yeah. yeah, that's his open area. He's so mean to his like arm robots. He like bosses them around, and he like negs them. He's like he's like. <laughs> He's like, oh, am I in your way? Sorry. No, no, just stay there. He does have a couple of funny moments with his robots because the robot, uh, you know, blasts him with a fire extinguisher. He's like, if you shoot me with the fire extinguisher one more time, I swear to God, I'm going to donate you to City College. (laughs) So he's building, 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 and he takes the suit out for a test fly. He's like, oh, let's go. Let's take take her up. And so he's going up uh, higher, higher altitude. And um, the funny thing about this as he's building this, though, is that he, like, he's got all these tools and he's got all these, like, supplies. And, like, I never saw him go to Radio Shack. Oh, my God. <laughs> Let's forget that stuff, right? I, we now have established you have never been to Radio Shack. I have. My grandfather dragged me to Radio Shack because he I don't was know. Tony Stark I don't know. on a much smaller level. I don't know what Radio Shack you've been to. But my yeah. grandfather also. Nothing on screen could be found at Radio Shack. None of that stuff would my, be able my to. My grandfather also repaired a, a plastic fan by putting a wooden fan blade. He was, he was creative. On. You can't get wire at Radio Shack? Type of wires that they've got? No. They can't get an arc reactor? No. That, so the whole purpose of the arc <laughs> reactor, it, it's basically a fusion reactor. Sure. It's a way to have huge amounts of power in a small item. You can't buy that at Radio Shack, you guys. He flies higher and higher up in the air, and his suit ices up because it's very cold up there. And so he, um, the suit kind of turns off his assistant, who is his computer, uh, but his name is uh, Jarvis. Yes. And the whole movie, I was just like, kept asking. I went through all the English guys. I was mm-hmm. like, is it Jude Law? And you're like, no. I was like, is it Simon Pegg? No. Is it the guy who played Tim on the British office? No. No. It's Paul Bettany. So the suit kind of cuts out for a little bit, and then he kind of figures out a way to, like, break all the ice off. And then it kind of, just in the in the nick of time, the suit comes back online, and he's able to fly. So then um, he's still working on the project, and Obadiah comes by, and um, Obadiah tells him that the board thinks that he's nuts. Everybody thinks he has post-traumatic stress from being captive for three months in Afghanistan. 
and they think he's crazy and they are against what he's doing and so they are filing an injunction to stop him and take over the company yeah because they want to sell weapons because mm-hmm, that's where the money is stark goes to this charity event where we see stan lee and finds out from uh that reporter that doesn't like him that spent leslie the night Bibb. with them sorry leslie bibb mrs ricky bobby mm-hmm. <laughs> That his company is actually still dealing weapons and that the Ten Rings guys who had kidnapped him are holding civilians from actually Yinsen's home village Mm -hmm. and uh, they're holding them hostage. And she shows him pictures of this. Mm -hmm. And so he confronts Obadiah at the party and finds out that Obadiah was the one that filed the injunction to challenge him. And he tells him while they're having their picture taken so he can't freak out on him Mm -hmm. because the press is there. So also at this party, Stark looks over and he sees this gorgeous woman in this beautiful backless dress and she turns around and it's Pepper Potts. And so he So he sees her for the first time. For for real for the first time. And so they dance and she's mad because she's like, you know, if I dance with you, then everyone's gonna think that, you know, I'm one of your little girls and then I'm the one who's going after you. And so she's kinda railing up. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And she's like, "Go get me a drink. I want, I want a martini with 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 olives, with a lot of olives, like three, at least three olives." Mm-hmm. <laughs> so Tony decides he now knows about this village that's in trouble. So he flies to Afghanistan in the suit, and I was like, "Gosh, I wonder how long that would take. That's like hours and hours." I was thinking suit. that too. Yeah, and, and at this point, we finally in the traditional. What if you have to go to the bathroom or? Yeah, we're finally in the the <laughs> traditional. We we established that he has to have a gold suit so that he doesn't ice up it was one of the oh, things is we that saw. why it's gold yeah so he's got to oh, turn it I gold for that. that at all. and then he adds it uh hot rod red it'll become important later but anyway <laughs> it's starting a fight scene so you didn't care but anyway keep going no i didn't care at all okay <laughs> if you do anything important during a fight scene i'm not gonna catch it mm-hmm. so he flies to afghanistan and he overwhelms the 10 rings guys and he saves the village on his way back he runs into a, a hiccup because the u.s military is like what the heck is this and Mm -hmm. they mistake him for a missile and so he's trying to like hide from them and he accidentally crashes into one of the jets and rips the wing off so the pilot he ejects but his parachute isn't working so stark of course comes back and like saves saves the day a couple of phone calls back and forth between him and Rhodes, and he confesses to Rhodes that it's me in the suit i'm in a suit it's such a great scene and so Rhodes uh chalks it up to a training exercise goof up but stark goes in the plane well to be fair, the plane hit him. The Ten Rings guys find the pieces of Tony's original suit in the desert. That must have been an operation of, like, trying to find that suit because, you know, like, mm-hmm. the sand and, like, yeah. trying to find everything. But they find everything. Well, as much as a lot. They find a lot. And they find the plans. Like, I can't. Oh, yeah, they found the plans, Put too. everything on fire except the rice yeah, paper while for the. You're, while you're, like, blasting all the weapons, blast the plans. Yeah. And then we learn, I was right, Obadiah is a bad guy and has been selling the weapons to the Ten Rings guys. And I guess he was the one that hired the Ten Rings people to kill Stark. Obadiah then builds a Nega Iron Man suit. Do you like how I use Nega? Yeah. So based off, this is based off the original wrecked suit, but I think it's like even more like ridiculous and big and powerful. So now that Stark knows what's going on, he sends Pepper to his office in her cute little Christian Louboutins. 
shoes, and you know that they're Christian Louboutins because they have red soles. Did you know that? I knew that there was something cool about red sole shoes, but they're I Christian know. Louboutins. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, to find out about the secret goings on that have been happening under his nose, and I was like, "Why is he sending her in there? She's gonna get in trouble. She's gonna get hurt." What are you doing? Yeah, it's tough because again, we're, we're in a weird place for technology where like today it would all be in the cloud. Today, you can't have your secret evil plans in a cloud now. I, I, I would imagine. Now. Well, they probably do have it like kind of anchored. And so basically, black cloud? basically he gives her <laughs> <laughs> basically he gives her like a thumb drive. That's a yes. super thumb drive that I'll get in the system. Right. She downloads all these files and one of the files is we see that the kidnapping video and mm that it was sent to Obadiah because he had hired them to kill Tony Stark. But then when they realized who they had, mm -hmm. they were like, oh, well, we'll just go right to him and make him build these missiles. She gets all of the shipping uh, paperwork for all of the transactions that have mm -hmm. been happening. Because, you know, you have a receipt if it's a, if it's a you know, for the petty cash. <laughs> If none of that made sense to you, you should watch Don't Tell Mommy Babysitter's Dead episode. Mm -hmm. Anyway. Yeah, a wonderful scene between her and Jeff Bridges. And it was very, like, very, very cat and mouse, like he's mm -hmm. going to catch her, but she outsmarts him a little bit. So he kind of is acting cool. He kind of might be knowing what's going on. He finds out after she leaves that she has downloaded something, and he freaks out, but there's nothing he can do because Agent Coulson from the Strategic Homeland Intervention Enforcement and Logistics Division. Name's too long. They should do something about that. Is there for their preset meeting. And so she uses that opportunity to escape. And at that point, I was like, oh, that's that guy from that show you watch. What's that show that you watch? <laughs> the Hydra show? Yeah, you're like, oh, is he Hydra? <laughs> and I was like, oh, is he the same guy? He is? Wow. Uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., mm -hmm. which they shortened the uh, Strategic Homeland Intervention Enforcement and Logistics Division to. And so then she tells on Obadiah. So Obadiah scientists can't seem to make the chest reactor thingy, the, what's it called again? Arc reactor. Arc reactor. Like Stark did. And I, it was funny because Jeff Bridges is screaming in the face of this guy. And I was like, wow, how would you like to be the extra that gets screamed at by Jeffrey Lebowski? <laughs> I, I bet you he auditioned for that. I bet you a bunch of people auditioned for it. <laughs> so scary. Oh, that's a great scene. Yeah. So Obadiah uh, noise tasers, Tony? We established earlier, so to get the, the armor suit plans, yes. there's this weapon that Stark had created which was too much for the military it causes someone to be paralyzed for 15 minutes mm -hmm. so so a noise taser no <laughs> <laughs> they should call it that. oh now i just realized why they call the mermaids of the sea sirens and why we call sirens sirens because it's a very loud obnoxious screaming sound Huh. Anyway, I, that's not. Yeah, that's not how that worked. But okay, that's <laughs> basically a noise taser. <laughs> yes, the myth came first. Let's just throw that out there. The myth came before Iron Man. The myth came before <laughs> electronic sirens. <laughs> I know, but that's why they call electronic sirens sirens because they true. scream. The most famous siren being, of course, Starbucks. I love how <laughs> I thought you were saying nose ta taser for the. <laughs> For the first four or five times. Nose? No, I said noise, right? That makes more sense. <laughs> Is that why you kept telling me no? I was like, what? It has nothing to do with the nose. I was like, I know you need new glasses, but <laughs> what is happening? Okay, where was I? 
so he noise tasers Tony and steals the arc reactor, reactor right out of his chest. Yeah. Out of his chest. And so then Stark crawls down to his workshop and installs the old one that Pepper made into a trophy. Thank goodness she saved it. And with the help of his robot arm, Pepper leads the S.H.I.E.L.D. guys to Obadiah's again. Why is she going with? I mean, I realize she knows where it is, but they don't have like a bulletproof vest on her. That's a good point. You would at least put a vest. So then Obadiah has put on his big ass suit. He's going after everybody. Stark shows up in his suit, but it's not at full power because of the um the old. I mean, yeah, it's literally the one he made in the cave. Right. He tries to trick Obadiah because he knows if he goes up really far in the atmosphere that his suit is going to ice up. And so he goes as far as he can up in the atmosphere. And again, he doesn't have as much power as, as he should. And so then he gets uh, he gets Obadiah's suit all icy. And he's like, oh, how did you solve the ice problem? And he's like, the mm. what? And he's like, good luck or whatever. Mm. And so then Obadiah's suit like stops working and he, he like falls. And uh, he thinks that's it. But it's not it. Because no. it's a superhero movie and we have to have way more fighting. And then so, yeah, his suit's like losing power. He's on reserve power. So they end up landing on Stark Industries, like, uh, roof conveniently. They're fight, fight, fighting, but it's, like, robots fighting. He's, like, in Pepper's ear. She can hear him talking. He tells her how to make the reactor overload so that it Mm -hmm. shoots up a huge pulse through the glass ceiling. So at the right moment, she does it, and there's this huge, like, pulse, and Obadiah gets caught in the pulse and dies. But I was like, I bet it's probably made him into like a super villain where he's like this weird amalgamation of metal and flesh and he's a bad guy that's gonna come back is what i think might happen so then we have our at another press conference and stark announces that he's not not iron man and then um thank god you fast forwarded but you wouldn't let me get up because i was like well and you're like um this is a marvel movie there's post credit gonna be at least one credit scene (laughs) And then Samuel Jackson turns up and he's like, hey, you want to join my team? And I was like, is Samuel Jackson going to show up at the end of every one of these movies and ask them to join the team? Uh-huh. Like Tom Hanks, you know, going around trying to build the Rockford Peaches. So Samuel Jackson. Wow. I think that uh, Robert Downey Jr. is very fun to watch. Mm-hmm. And I think that I probably wouldn't have been able to sit through this movie if it had been somebody else. I guess the dialogue is pretty snappy, but he just adds that adds that stank on it. You know what's crazy? Huh? Is the movie's mostly improvised. Oh my Famous, god, that so, makes so much sense. So famous, but yeah, like several of the actors were like, it was crazy. Like there was a script, but then we just did what we, we wanted. We just yeah, because Robert Downey so Jr. Like does that. So it's like a waiting for Guffman of superhero movies. In a way, the reason why it works is John Favreau, Favreau was a fan. Of mm-hmm. Iron Man, so he could yeah. be, he could provide the borders. So Iron Man was nowhere near as witty, or as funny, or irresponsible mm-hmm. in the comics. But Same then, way-ish. yeah, but then Robert Downey Jr. comes up and it's like, oh, okay, let's let's reestablish. Let's shake this thing out. Yeah. I liked what he did with it. So yeah, he did a great job. Is, my hat is off. I did like uh, the tension between Terrence Howard, and I always enjoy seeing him anyway. So he has such beautiful eyes. Yeah, so Terrence Howard was the highest paid actor in that movie. This movie wasn't supposed to do well. He's the highest paid, but it wasn't like it's, it wasn't like super blockbuster money. He claims he went to bat for like, you've got to go for Robert Downey Jr. because it was a short list. And it was like, and Robert had, again, rebooted his life and mm-hmm. seemed like he was okay. Mm-hmm. 
but he was such a big risk. Once Iron Man becomes a hit, it hasn't been released what Terrence Howard's demands were, but that character he's playing, James Rhodes, is an important part of the Marvel universe as well. There was something about the contract negotiation where Terrence was asking for more money mm-hmm. and Robert Downey Jr. didn't go to bat for him. And so he was fired and replaced by Don Cheadle. And the thing as a comic book guy, which really bums me out, is I love Don Cheadle. He's not the version of James Rhodes I like and see in the comics. And so there's just an extra physicality Terrence Howard brings to the role. Mm-hmm. He's always James Rhodes to me. So that's okay. Terrence Howard, you always be James Rhodes to me. He is. <laughs> Jeff Bridges gave me the creeps. Yeah. He did a good job. Evidently, he was pissed without the script. <laughs> oh, was yeah. the way totally was... see him being pissed he, off. He was the... He's like, I have to... What? I liked how it was mostly about like his inner struggles and what led him to becoming Iron Man. Mm-hmm. So kind of like you, what you've said before, it's a movie that happens to have a superhero in it. It was fun to watch once. I'm really happy to know that it was mostly improvised because I had the feeling that it was and I wished that it was. The fight sequences, they weren't too drawn out and long, so I appreciated that. Mm-hmm. So do you want to hear my, my rating? I am nervous <laughs> to hear your rating. <laughs> And I'd like to mention there was cute robots right before you say what, you, what the rating is. There was so. cute robots. Again, this is not a movie that I normally typically would watch. Mm-hmm. Um, it's this movie was not made for me necessarily. So one thumb has to be in the middle. However, my other thumb is going to be up because... Really? It was a good... Again, they did a good job of making it palatable for people who don't know anything about the mcu like several of the early movies especially they're good standalone movies you could just watch one and be like yeah and i i appreciated that about that that i didn't need to have all of this background knowledge and it made sense in and of itself yay Yay. i don't have any flowery things to say i blew my wad on the siren wow (laughs) there was a lot of robert Downey jr this week Really good. Well, yeah, on purpose. Yeah, yeah. I think I think both those movies would have been poor if they had gone with different actors at the yeah, time. So. Totally. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I like that guy. Like I, I said, I could watch him read the telephone book from a trash can. Who wouldn't want to meet Robert Downey Jr. once? It would be. It would I don't be want to meet him because if he's really? not what I think he is, I'm going to be really disappointed. Oh. You never want to meet your heroes, Keith. Yeah, I wouldn't mind. Yeah, but you like to go meet. You yeah. try to shove me at everybody. Like, there's a restaurant. It, it sounds bad. It's called the D-Bar, which is not. <laughs> the dessert bar. The dessert bar. And it was uh, owned by, his name was Keegan, and he's one of the show, uh, judges on Food Network. Mm-hmm. And so he opened a restaurant in San Diego, and we went. And he happened to be there the night that we were there. And Keith, like, tried to get me to go, like, get up and go meet him. And I was, like, had my hands and an iron grip on the table and my feet planted in the mm-hmm. floor. So didn't want to go meet him. So what I had to do to force her to meet Eliza Schlesinger is I had to buy the VIP tickets before. <laughs> before asking me if Before I asking. To meet. <laughs> so that it'd be like, oh, and we get to meet her. What? I don't want to. Oh, it's already paid for. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. But Blanche, her dog, was there. And yeah. I wanted to take a picture with Blanche. It was so funny. <laughs> so you wait in the line. And, like, Blanche kind of goes off. She's just running around. And so... Corey, being being her her mother's daughter, just is like, oh, I need to save Blanche, <laughs> and Eliza and everyone is like looking at you, Nuh-uh. and you're like, oh hi, and you realize, <laughs> and turn around. It was very cute. Oh hi, Eliza. 
Lisa. Nice to meet you. Can I, we get your dog in the picture? Yeah. No, it was fun to meet her. She was very, she was nice. You've like dived off of a something to meet Kevin Smith. He has a distinctive look. So yeah, I was at the top of the the bar at the Hilton. I think it was. Yeah, at Comic Con. At Comic Con, I was like. I think that's Kevin's and like I raced down and like yeah. I mean and it was so cool it was nice to meet him and he um we took a picture and he was like yeah hey check and make sure it's good and we're like oh thank you he's like no no I'm serious like like not as a jerk he was like no no seriously it's okay I don't mind unlike the time we met Tommy Wiseau and all of our eyes were closed oh my gosh it was and the we most were, we wanted to go back and retake it but I was like this picture is perfect it's the most Tommy Wiseau picture ever <laughs> we're all like Oh, hi, Mark. <laughs> so ridiculous. So what are we going to watch next week? Oh, I always forget this part. Uh, well, I asked Keith if we could take a, just a little breather from uh, the MCU. Just have a little palate cleanser. Mm-hmm. I am a huge Weird Al Yankovic fan. I love parody. I love Mad Magazine. Mm-hmm. I love Saturday Night Live. I love when sitcoms do parody episodes. So we're going to watch UHF. I saw it years and years ago when I was on video and I just remember being disappointed like I have huge respect for Weird Al mm-hmm. huge but I was really disappointed so I'm, I'm giving it a second shot like, <laughs> we were trying to figure out like what we could pair with it because it's really hard to pair something with it mm-hmm. and I was like oh well he's a musician who that made a movie so there's a movie that I do not understand and like this is a movie where it's like okay it's not quite in Corey's wheelhouse I wasn't allowed to watch this movie but it was like I think she's really gonna like this movie and then she doesn't normally like movies like this but I think it's one of those that she actually would would like <laughs> and that is the musician on my end is going to be the amazing David Bowie. R.I.P. And we're going to watch Labyrinth, which, uh, yeah. I am not allowed to watch this movie, so I'm a little nervous. It is, uh, it is, uh, it's, <laughs> you're going to hate me saying this, it's a movie with layers, but I'll just stop right <laughs> Don't there. Don't say that. But uh, yeah, no, Jennifer Connelly, it's the first movie I really remember like Jennifer Connelly. In. She's like young though, right? Yeah, she's, she's relatively like young. Right. So yeah, so uh, yeah, it was great. I also, wasn't allowed to go to Halloween parties, and mm-hmm. that's where I met Keith. So don't tell my mom. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it was pretty funny. I was like, "Wait, what?" <laughs> but anyway, well, thank you for tuning in this week. Yes, thanks for listening to us. We appreciate you. Evidently, right now, Spotify is the most popular way to listen to us. But oh. however. However you're listening to us, thank you. We appreciate it. Yeah. And we also have a wonderful Facebook page that Corey puts together where you can see some fun fun images inspired by our conversation today. I will post the picture of us and Tommy Wiseau. Nice. <laughs> yeah, we so also please. have a uh, Instagram page. Yeah, and then I, I really, over the next two weeks, really should put that YouTube page together. So It's not like you don't have a lot to do. How much grading are you avoiding Oh my right gosh, now? so many mountains of grading. <laughs> so uh, yeah, be looking for those and uh, subscribe, yes, comment, subscribe and, um, and like. Rate. Thank you so much for listening to mm-hmm. us and uh, we will talk at you next week. Oh, you did it right. Yay. Oh, that's a terrible thing to say. I can be taught. You think it's stupid that we say it that? No. It's all right. That means you do.